Hello from Temple Bar, Dublin. I had no time to play today And now I am too tired If I had a home to go Welcome to For Folk's Sake, our podcast brought to you by the Temple Bar Company and Foylcha Ireland. That opening track, If I Had a Home by Sive, was recorded at the Tradfest back in 2019 and Sive herself making incredible headway in the folk scene here in Ireland. Well, today I'm absolutely delighted to be talking to one of Ireland's most talented multi-instrumentalists. And if there's anybody you could say that about, it is our guest today. And that's the wonderful... Michelle Mulcahy. Michelle, it's just so good to talk to you. How are you keeping? I'm good, Kieran. Thank you so much for having me guest. It's great, great to chat to fellow musicians, so it is. No, we're absolutely delighted that you joined us and we're delighted that you were able to find a bit of time. I know lockdown is on, but you're a very busy young woman. 
Well, at the moment, yeah, I suppose um, I'm I'm secondary school teacher here in uh, Munger Community College, so it's it's been full on really for the last eight weeks, like you know. So, but I think everybody is managing as be- as best they can anyway in these such difficult times, I guess. And as a teacher there, how are you managing? How do you communicate with the students? I mean, it has to be a very very different experience. Oh, it's it's completely different, like you know, and um, I suppose from from the very minute we 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 uh, step foot back in school, like you know, everything really changed, like you know. So, um, but I'm very fortunate, like the students that I have, they're great, like you know, and they're all really interested in music. So I think the communication through music is is a very special uh, thing to have with students, you know. So it's um. You know, and I'd be very thankful going in every day and seeing them and making sure everybody is as safe as they possibly can as well, like, you know, so. Yeah, that's another pressure really for teachers. And I suppose then when you're teaching music, you've got to be that bit extra careful depending on what instrument a student is playing. Yeah, absolutely. Like, you know, so um, I think a lot of the students, you know, they're kind of if, we, if we're doing any practical work, like, you know, in a few weeks time, they'll be allowed to bring in their own instruments. So um, so which is great, like, you know, and it's kind of, I suppose, adding here to the, um, you know, the uh, safety in, in, in classrooms as well, like, you know. And is there, uh, has there always been a music tradition at that school in Mungret? Well, it's it's a new school actually, so this is kind of the, the fourth year of the school. So, um, but uh, so we're kind of building everything from the ground up, which is really exciting, you know, because you kind of get to, I suppose, shape the music department, uh, you know, in in a way, you know, that is really exciting and dynamic, like you know. So, um, so we're doing my best for the traditional music in the school here. That's brilliant. Uh, and I tell you, no better woman. Actually, I was just thinking there when I was talking to you about uh, instruments and people bringing in different instruments, but sure, you could handle any of the instruments that they bring into you uh, when you're teaching. <laughs> well, I, I, I have a, a collection of instruments all right here in the house, so, so every week there'd be something new for them to, to see, you know. So, But I suppose, you know, in a way, it's, it's great to be able to bring in, you know, um, I suppose the music that you're so passionate about and what you've collected, you know, and, and, you know, with the instruments as well, there's so much stories to old instruments as well. Like, you know, so they're kind of, they're very enthusiastic and, you know, they're, they're, they appreciate, you know, the story behind the instruments and particularly a musician's story as well, you know. Well, I think that college is just so lucky to have you on board, Michelle, and you oh, can thanks, flush Mike. away with me saying that you're there, but I think it's an actual fact because look, a concertina, harp, fiddle, accordion, piano and melodion. They're just that number of instruments that you play. And not that you play, but that you master those instruments. And I, I suppose my question to you, I know you're recognised sort of internationally uh, as a harp player, but, you know, finding time to work those instruments, those things just, uh, there's a certain amount of natural ability for people, but you've got to work at your instrument as well. So how did you divide your time as a young person in West Limerick growing up? Uh, how did you divide your time on the different instruments? Well, would you believe, I think, what I used to, in the morning time, you know, in secondary school, like, while I was waiting for the bus, I'd always uh, be playing a few instruments every morning. And then when I got home from school as well, like, you know, so, but, um, you know, I just kind of, I found the journey kind of exciting, really, like, and, you know, it was a great break from study as well like you know so 
um and you know i think it kind of set it set me up for the day anyway but i never really saw it as practice you know i was kind of just you know just enjoyed uh, the journey and the process of it all and you know um i suppose with dad with dad in the house he's such an archive of music as well that music was always played so you'd, you'd naturally be drawn to an instrument to play along with something like you know so so very fortunate growing up, I suppose, with the wealth of music that was in the house and still is today, you know. Well, so. you certainly had access to the best there. Your father, of course, the legendary Mick Mulcahy, accordion player. And your sister, of course, Louise, also an exponent of many different instruments as well. So you had really an exciting uh, childhood, I suppose. I saw you going around sort of different flares and different festivals and it was the Mulcahy family and you know I used to reckon that you'd have to have a trailer behind <laughs> you when you'd be going to these festivals to carry all the instruments. Oh for sure well our, our, there's many stories to be told about cars and fitting <laughs> instruments in and you know it was it was all great fun really but I think you know the instruments that myself and Louise like we were just naturally drawn to them you know and you know, dad was, mom and dad, you know, were always so encouraging to us and always kind of left us find our way, you know, um, you know, as children, as teenagers, teenagers, you know, for the instruments we were drawn to. So, and I think dad, you know, always had accordions and concertinas in the house and my granddad used to play the fiddle as well. So there was such a wealth of, a wealth of music there uh, growing up, you know, we were so lucky, really. That's interesting. So there's concertina fiddle accordion melodion so they're there in the background so where then does the piano emerge from or where indeed did the harp emerge from um well i suppose the piano in in primary school um there was uh one of my teachers there sister eukaria you know i think i was maybe first or second class and uh you know at break times i used to be kind of just playing a little bit on the piano we didn't have a piano at home um at that time so i was kind of just drawn to it, i guess at, at lunch times and the break times and uh you know she was kind of i suppose the the first person really that uh, you know mentioned to mom and dad in one of, one of the parent teacher meetings that you know i think michelle is drawn to the piano a little bit like you know and um so that's where that kind of stem, stemmed from you know and um i think as well like you know with different records like the wheels of the world and listening to you know the piano accompaniments and things like that that you'd be i suppose really kind of listening to it you know uh, not intentionally but it was kind of just automatically um there the interest in the instrument so um and with the harp actually um dad had a uh, he still has to this day the great book um O'Neill's Minstrels and Musicians and um there was so many diagrams and pictures of you know people like uh, Tarlock O'Carlin and Arthur O'Neill and accounts of the Belfast Harp Festival so um so I was always interested in that history and um I th- I think then I was about seven or eight I'd say for for a couple of years you know you'd be kind of listening to different artists and you know gathering records like you know like Derek Bell and chieftains and you know the harp really kind of you know I was so drawn to the sound of it it was so magical but um then when I was about 10 years of age then that's where we kind of sourced um a harp to rent out for a couple of years like you know so but it's just such a beautiful instrument like so so different as well the sounds because you know was uh you know the one the accordion was one of my first instruments like so so it was kind of uh, I suppose unusual going from reeds over to to strings then like you know so 
Well, it certainly is. And I presume at that time, who, who did you actually go to then to get your early lessons? Well, actually, what, what I did was that um, uh, in Newmarket on Fergus, Deirdre O'Brien Vaughan um, ha- has a music school there. And so so I, I went there for um, it was about, a, about a year and a half, two years, um, just for lessons there, like, you know, just to, to get me started. And then, then from there, I think kind of what was happening was going to different uh, workshops and um, you know, um, Alicia Kelly was in Ennis, uh, Ennis for a while as well. And then, you know, from the Scholaches at the FLA and things like that, like, you know, um, being able to attend workshops with uh, Michael Rooney and, you know, Marnie Kostick. So there was such a, you know, it was so exciting, like, you know. But I, I think then what kind of happened was that I was listening to so much other music, like concertina music and flute music and pipe music and um accordion music that it was all naturally kind of seeping in I guess and I was absorbing all that you know and from that it was kind of you know I kind of went 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 my own path with it then like that would all then would have fed in to your style of playing the fact that you had all those tunes on yeah. different instruments you would have fed that back into the way you played the harp yeah absolutely like you know um you know i was uh, i was going for a concertina lessons to Noel hill as well like you know so all all that was was seeping in and was very fortunate to have had uh, fiddle lessons with tommy peoples as well like you know so so all that was just um you know was just I was absorbing it and then somehow then that was coming out through the strings as well on the harp like so it was very um it was kind of a natural um I suppose progression with with all the instruments and I I suppose a natural communication between instruments and between the music and you know to what I was um you know what was what I was exposed to at the time. Well, you certainly have established your own particular style of playing the harp and playing Irish traditional music on the harp. Quick question, actually. Did you ever try a tune on the banjo? <laughs> I would do. <laughs> I, separate, well, do you know, Mick Maloney's a great friend of us, or of, of all the Mulcahy's, so the odd time now when I was, you know, um, doing a few concerts with Mick, like I might try the banjo, like, but I somehow didn't, so, I don't know, the dexterity wasn't there. <laughs> well, there's plenty of dexterity, all we can say as banjo players, anyways, thanks be to God you didn't, or you put us all to shame. <laughs> Now, the harp, of course, when you were starting out, I, it, it wasn't quite as popular. Certainly, uh, we had International Harp Day last weekend and the popularity of the instrument is just incredible. But it wasn't Amazing. really that popular when you were starting out. No, actually, it's um, like, you know, from, from Abbey Field, like we had to travel, you know, the options was, you know, was coming over to Clare like you know the two hours are traveling to Dublin like so so it wasn't you know it was I suppose at that time it was it was hard enough to find some somewhere that was local like you know and you know as I said in Newmarket and Ferguson and I uh, was the kind of the closest that we got like you know so but it's been incredible to see like the journey in the last 20 years you know what has happened like it's absolutely uh, fantastic like you know that there's, there's such a, a resurgence of it and such a such an interest in the instrument as well you know and of course it has received uh, unesco designation as well absolutely like yeah and it uh, you know there was um great credit due to alien mccran and to all that harp ireland you know and in, in in getting all that data and all that you know um letters and everything to unesco so there's there's the, the work being done behind the scenes like is just phenomenal really like you know and it's and and it's and it's so great to see because there's such a 
there's such a uh, we've such a pride in the instrument and you know that it's it's centuries old and and you know the instrument itself is so powerful as well like you know so um that it's it's just great it's great to see what's happening at the moment you know in, it certainly in, is uh, an expressive instrument certainly in in all the different genres of irish music as well because i notice a lot of the modern let's say denise Chyla and people like these they're bringing in harpers to play around their music as well so it's actually it's it's spreading its its influence yeah absolutely like you know and you know it's 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 great to see you know people kind of um going on their their own journey with it as well like you know and i know as a harpist like you know um it's so important to reference the music you know that that has come from the 1600s and the 1700s and 1800s you know so um but equally it's lovely to see that the instrument being celebrated through dance music as well like you know so um it's just you know it's very magical you know to, uh, to play it as well but you know as a harpist when you when you sit when you sit behind the instruments like the sheer power of it is 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 really incredible no you mentioned earlier there that you played music in order to kind of distract yourself, let's say, from before you go to the books or it was a great yeah. way of taking a break from what you were studying, going to school and that. But uh, when you went to college, you actually did an awful lot of study. Actually, it was remiss of me. I should have said Dr. Michelle Mulcahy uh, when I introduced you there because you went on to do a PhD. But just go back through some of your education. You went to UCC, did you, after after I your did. leaving cert? I did, yeah. So I went. I studied um, music and Irish in uh, University College Cork. So, um, and it was just, you know, just just a great time to have been studying music um, there, and it kind of opened different avenues and I suppose diff- different ways of of looking at music and you know learning as much as you can about uh, about it. You know, with uh, different uh, philosophers and different musical genres and and things like that. Like you know and. Um, and from there, really, like I, I think you know, I suppose that really stemmed my interest in in academia as well. Like you know, so so from there, I kind of went. Um, I went and I did my masters in musicology in the University of Limerick, um, and then from there, I was always interested in teaching anyway. You know, when you're doing workshops and communicating with uh, with um, different people, like you know, so I suppose the teaching was a natural element for me to uh, fall into, but. I I was always very curious always about music and, uh, and about the journey and about I suppose the di- interactions uh, with different cultures and music as well so and you know the PhD I suppose really what happened was that in about 2000 I think it was 2008 2009 um, I was in Thailand and Mick Maloney invited me and a friend of his from the political science department in uh, Bangkok and they invited me to a refugee camp on the Thai uh, Burmese border and uh, kind of um, and the group of people that I met there are called the Karen so they're an ethnic minority group in Burma but a central part of their culture and their tradition is is the harp so when I arrived at the refugee camp itself you know something very special kind of uh, happened for me in the sense that our mode of communication was between say uh, between the Irish harp and the Korean harp so it was it was something really unique and profound that happened in that moment and then 
you know, that, that really spurred my interest to go on and do further study on it, like, you know, so because, you know, the harp is central to so many civilizations around the world, like, you know, and it, um, and it's an, an instrument held in such prestigious regards as well. So, but it, it's a really important part of Burmese culture as well, because it's uh, the national instrument of Burma as well. And, um, you know, it's a classical tradition, but a folk tradition as well. So, so I was just enthralled um, by the story of this instrument and also the story of the people as well there because you know um, Burma is referred to today as as Myanmar so um, but uh, these people you know had suffered uh, you know enormous um, tragedies in their life you know by being um, I suppose the forced displacement of them um, to the Thai Burmese uh, refugee camps at that time so so if you can imagine like I'm coming from flying over from from Shannon and then arriving in a, a Thai Burmese camp where where I hear these beautiful sounds of harps all, all around the place so it was just you know I just felt I had to go on and do further study and that's really down thanks to Mick Maloney so so in that study then did you find what did you find uh, was there a relationship between the music of the Irish harp and the music of the Burmese harp well like there's certain uh, little traits of it all right that you could see like you know like the harp is centuries old like you know as, as we said and you know um i think coming from a, a, a folk tradition you know that my method of communicating with them was kind of you know finding similarities in melodies and um little rhythmic riffs you know that i was able to you know communicate uh, musically with the other harpists in the in the refugee camp at that time like you know so um and it, it was so interesting because their music was passed down from generation to generation you know so everything was just it was learned by ear and coming from uh, as a traditional musician you know it was you know part of it was very easy to kind of absorb you know when you sit and you listen to a tune and you know after a a couple of times you might try it yourself like you know so so that process you know I suppose that training that I had natural training you know was so beneficial to me in the journey itself like you know so um and uh, but I think, you know, what really kind of connected us was was our history as well, you know, the uh, of the, the importance of the harp in Ireland and the, uh, the importance of the harp to their culture and to Burmese culture in general as well, you know, so so it was something very kind of profound happened in that moment, you know, when we were sharing music and sharing stories and, you know, exchanging cultural exchanges, I guess, you know, so. And what about the instruments themselves? Are they similar? So the the Karen harp is an arch uh, uh, arch shaped harp. So it is, and it's kind of beautiful carvings in on the soundboard and in the top of the instrument. But the strings, like you know, so I suppose you kind of equate the sound to uh, the wire strung harp, um, essentially. So and it's played with the nails as well, actually. So um, and then my own harp then was being being in the nylon strung, you know. So it was a, a little bit of a, a different sound to that, like you know. But there was just there's an ancientness associated with the instrument like you know that's you know you you can kind of relate it towards the uh, the crit as well well you mentioned the word profound there in relation to yourself and what you learned there and what that all meant to you it certainly sounds as if it was that and have you continued to study that area well, actually, out of the whole journey, kind of what happened was I, I wrote a, no, a number of pieces of music out of that. And one of them featured on my own album, Ensuvenus, which was uh, the Karen Harp. So, um, but it's lovely to keep in touch with everybody, you know, and just, you know, it's kind of a, a, a few years of my life that you would never 
never forget like you know and I was kind of um very lucky with the people um that I studied with at that time um there was four of us actually that were kind of the first uh I suppose PhD arts practice students in Ireland at that time so it's kind of where you utilize your performance practice to help you with your investigation and, and help you with your research and um that was Brendan Degali, Irlo Leonard and Sharon Lyons so we were kind of the first four to undertake that kind of uh, PhD uh, research in Ireland so so it's a, a kind of a, a really prof- profound um, experience to have had which and you know such great great friends as well along the journey so a long way from playing the few tunes in Abbey Field as you were yeah. waiting for the bus <laughs> yeah absolutely you never know where music brings you you know <laughs> now you mentioned Suiveness there of course that was your first solo CD now you've recorded many many CDs with uh, your sister and your father over the years but Suiveness was your first solo CD and I suppose circumstances have prevailed in the last few months because you're well, you've recorded your latest CD, but it's not quite ready to go out yet. You were hoping to launch that, actually, at Tradfest in January. Yes, yeah, hopefully. So, um, so fingers crossed, I'm kind of at the end stages of it now. So, you know, it's um, I'm really delighted to have gotten the chance to do a second solo album, you know. And um, I suppose during the lockdown, I got so many lovely messages from people, um, you know, kind of uh, saying, oh, I hope there's, you know, a second album on the way. So, you know, so that kind of really, it's a, a lovely kind of um, message to get from people. Like, you know, so because, you know, I suppose recording a, a solo album is so personal, you know, and it's a, it's it's a moment of an artist's uh, time in their life yeah, as well, like you know. So uh, and so I'm really I'm really really excited and really looking forward to hopefully being able to launch it at at, at Treadfest. Well, we're certainly excited about it being launched, and we think it'll add to people's understanding certainly of the harp in Irish traditional music. Now, here on the podcast, for folks' sake, we've been asking people actually what they've been doing during lockdown or how they've occupied their time. But you've occupied yours because you've been teaching, although you were probably off for the summer, but you've been teaching at school. Yeah, absolutely. So it it's been a busy a busy time for sure, you know. So between the online teaching and and uh, working on the album, so it's um, you know, you were de- de- definitely occupied um during that time as well, you know. So um, and I think the other side of it then is that you know, um, being in, you know chatting with dad and louise and mom you know, during the lockdown as well you know there's been great musical moments as well be, be between the, the four of us so um dad is actually he's he's composing so many tunes at the minute so so it's it's been lovely to be learn those tunes as well and you know just being able to keep in touch with one another as well well, it's a fantastic tradition and it's a great connection to have. There's no doubt about it. Uh, your father composing tunes at this stage, fair play to him is all I'll say to that. But of course, there's no doubt we've mentioned your father on a few occasions. Your mother has been central to all your development as well. Absolutely. Like I could, you, you know, everything they've done for us uh, has been just incredible. They're just fantastic. Like, and they're two of my idols, really. So, and myself and Louise, you know, every time we're talking, we're, you know, we just feel so blessed, like, and, and just so lucky. So, because the support and the encouragement from being so young, you know, I, I'd say between two or three like you know the looking at some of the pictures that we have at home and everything like you know all the opportunities we got you know and just the encouragement and you know just um and equally 
you know, giving us the opportunity to, to find our way as well, you know, with the different instruments, you know. So um, it's just, you know, just so lucky, so lucky, so lucky to have a mom and dad like like them. Now, in your own experience, we mentioned traditional music, of course, you've played with orchestras as well. Yeah, I mean, it was a great experience I've had was to have uh, performed in the Connemara Suite with um, Bill Whelan and the Irish Chamber Orchestra and Zoe Conway. So um, it was a, a wonderful time to have had, you know, and that experience of it, you know, so because... Um, God, just you know the harmonies and you know just the whole experience of 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 playing with an orchestra is 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 quite it's quite a unique thing to experience really. Like so, I was just so fortunate to have to have had that um opportunity. Indeed, we've spoken to both Zoe and Eleanor McAvoy about that experience of working with an orchestra and the discipline that's involved there, uh, which is quite different. By the way, speaking of orchestras, and I think of the harp. Did you ever try the concert harp? Do you know, I I have I've yeah. never not not in full like you know so but I just um I remember when I was my first harp I got from uh, Larry Eager in Cork, and uh, just when you were entering the hallway there he just had the, uh, such a collection of concert harps you know and I was I was probably a bit too petite for them I'd say so. <laughs> Height was not on my, not on my side, so was it? But um, yeah, just oh god, the sound is just in, incredible from them. Really, like you know, such a, such a powerful instrument. So you know, quite different from from the instrument that I play with the nylon strings myself. Like you know, so and I suppose the the lever change. You know, when you're using it on the harp and and the mechanism of that um, was. Uh, you know, when you were kind of changing to the pedals, like, you know, it was such a different, such a different way of, I suppose, uh, of learning key changes and things like that, like, you know, so, but it's a, it's a beautiful instrument for sure. No, just curious about that, because we know it's the Irish harp is, is your instrument of choice when it comes to that. We've also been asking people here, Michelle, uh, on the uh, podcast to know if they've been listening to other music or what they've been listening to, let's say, to get away from the, the humdrum of life as it is at the moment. Have you been listening to anything in particular musically? Oh, God, well, there's loads of music and song that I've been uh, listening to, but I suppose uh, the three in particular, um, you know, if you were to, uh, to ask me what, what I'd be thinking about at the moment, so uh, one was uh, Steve Cooney's beautiful album, Kjol, Arson Aglarty, and uh, in particular his track of uh, Bridget Cruz, so something incredibly haunting about that. So um, Bridget Cruz, as we know, is one of the uh, great loves of O'Carlin, and so... Um, it's a really um, mystical piece as well. Um, and I suppose two other pieces, um, I suppose it was, I mentioned there that uh, Dad is, is, is composing a lot of music. So, um, so I've been learning a lot of Dad's new compositions as well. And um, and one of his lovely tunes is called The Rolling Hills of Brosna, so, which is, um, you know, I suppose very apt when you think of um, Mom and Dad and their history with the area as well. So... And um, and I suppose a uh, final one that's, you know, that always such energy and, and uh, passion in it is the great album Ashton Keole with Tony McMahon and Noel Hill. So, um, so uh, amongst amongst a whole lot of, uh, of others, uh, Kieran. 
Well, that's a fantastic collection, actually, and quite a contrasting uh, collection of music there because whereas you'd sit back, relax and enjoy and absorb uh, the music of Steve Cooney on guitar because no matter what he plays, he makes it sound beautiful. I'm sure your father's new tunes will be very special when we get to hear them. And, of course, when it comes to life in music, uh, Ashling Ekeol, you couldn't go far wrong with Noel Hill and Tony McMahon. Uh, wonderful music to be listened to, for sure, during uh, the lockdown. Michelle Mulcahy, or Dr. Michelle Mulcahy, it's just been such a pleasure speaking to you today on the podcast. Thanks a million for being with us. Thank you so much, Kieran. It's so great to chat to you. Thank you for listening to For Folk's Sake. We look forward to when we're all together again in music at next year's Tradfest, which will take place from January the 27th to the 31st, 2021. And while we're all waiting, I suppose, for the day when it's safe to travel again, you can fill your heart with Ireland by going to ireland.com.